right, well, praise the Lord. It's Pastor Jerry once again coming at you from right here at Word of Victory, of course, again, in an empty room. Uh, but uh, we're always honored and privileged to be able to come there into your room or wherever it is you're watching or listening. Praise God. Again, we just appreciate so much that you're uh, connecting with us, uh, listening, watching. Praise God. We're just blessed to be able to do this for you and just feel honored that you're uh, there doing what you're doing. So praise God. Uh, again, I'd like to just put a big shout out there to uh, my staff and everybody that's, uh, you know, puts in time and energy to make these kind of things work and all the stuff that they're doing throughout the week just to keep the, you know, things moving forward, uh, regardless of, uh, you know, all the things that uh, right, right now trying to limiting us in a way to, uh, you know, keep us, uh, you know, from doing, you know, whatever. But uh, our heart is really still to do our best to try to come at you, to try to reach you, to somehow or another uh, try to make a difference still in the lives of people, uh, even though we're, we're uh, you know, not able to do as much as we'd like to do. So with that said, we just want to tell you we're, uh, we're grateful and thankful that you're with us, and we call you blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, we're going to start today again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and a verse that I've been using on our midweek services um, of course, uh, uh, last week, uh, Trudy came at you with a word and did a great job, praise the Lord. Uh, but I'm going to kind of go back and still do some of the things that I know in my heart what I'm called to do as far as the midweek services. And so we're going to come out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, just our key verse. It says, now all these things happened to them as examples. Now, of course, uh, uh, the People in, uh, in context here are the children of Israel talking about some things that happened in their life, things that they did uh, that created some problems. And he says that they're an example to us, and they were written for our admonition or teaching upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So the point that I've been uh, kind of uh, dialing in here on the midweeks is talking about taking our patriarchs of faith, um, our men and women of God, uh, the Old Covenant, and uh, using them as examples to you and me, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, of course, in context here in uh, 1 Corinthians, this is talking about something that wasn't so good, okay, because the children of Israel, uh, you know, some of the issues they had, and, as, and that's a result while they, they roamed around in a wilderness for 40 years. And uh, so we're, uh, we're just kind of taking that as a key verse because, I believe that we can take things of our patriarchs of faith and we can glean, we can learn some things, some do's and some don'ts, praise God. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Judges, uh, chapter 6, please. And um, over the last, uh, you know, several months, we have been looking at uh, people like David, uh, people like Abraham. Uh, we spent the last couple weeks, uh, the, at least my time with you, uh, talking about Daniel. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a man named Gideon, amen, and uh, we're going to go, uh, there really is only about, uh, I suppose, about three chapters, really, in the book of Judges that talks about, about Gideon, and, uh, but Gideon uh, is referred as a man of faith uh, in uh, Hebrews 11, and I believe it's like verse 32 or something like that. Uh, he's mentioned in... Uh, you know, the Hebrews, or pardon me, in uh, Hebrews, in the Hall of Faith uh, chapter there. So, uh, obviously, uh, you know, he was a, a man of faith, all right? But let's take a look at it, okay? We're going to go to verse 11, chapter 6, please, and it says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, uh, which was in Ophrah, 
okay, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite. Okay, I'm not sure if I pronounced that totally right. Uh, but it says, while his son Gideon, okay, so Joash's son Gideon threshed wheat in a wine press. Now, of course, uh, you know, threshing wheat in a wine press is not normal, all right? Normally, you're threshing wheat somewhere else, and you're using the wine press for just that, pressing wine, all right? So, uh, obviously, uh, he's, he's hiding out, praise God. That's what he's doing at the moment. Uh, so, he's threshing wheat in a wine press, and it said, in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, of course, the Midianites have, for years now, have had them oppressed. Uh, every year, about uh, harvest time, they come flying over the hill, basically instill all their crops, all right? And so that's why he's in the wine press hiding, trying to get as much crop, uh, you know, uh, it's hiding in the wine press, threshing the wheat, trying to get as much crop as he can before the enemy comes over the hill again to steal everything, all right? So that's what's going on. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, verse 12, and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man, of valor, and that's what we're going to talk about, being a man of valor or a woman of valor, okay? Uh, he, he referred to him as a mighty man of valor. Now, um, Gideon probably isn't feeling like a man of valor. We're going to see that here in a minute. Uh, he's obviously not acting like a man of valor at the moment, uh, but according to God, he's a man of valor, all right? The uh, Amplified brings out that he's a man of fearless courage. That's what the it says there, the New Living Translation, he calls him a mighty hero. Uh, the interlinear uh, Bible brings out he's a warrior of might, and the Message Translation says a mighty warrior, so it kind of just reverses that. But uh, what is a man of valor? Uh, Ke'il is, is the Hebrew word that means valiant, uh, virtuous, uh, brave, uh, speaks of a force of strength or a force of might, but it means courageous, okay, courageous. Now, uh, one of the things that it mentions in this definition of this word man of valor, um, it brings out, and I think this is pretty key for today, uh, it speaks of a quality of mind, okay? When he's talking about a man of valor or a woman of valor or somebody of valor, right? It means they have a quality of mind, and that's something to keep in mind. So a certain kind of mindset, a quality of mind to encounter danger and difficulty with firmness, boldness, and intrepidity, okay, or courage, okay? All right, so a, a quality of mind, okay? Now, um, Gideon really is not operating at the moment uh, with courage, okay? But yet the angel of the Lord has declared to him that the Lord not only was with him, but the Lord is referring to him as a man of valor, all right? Now, uh, you know, I think about, about this, um, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what Gideon thinks. Okay, now let me explain that. Um, you know, Gideon, as we're going to see here in a minute, is not going to see himself as some man of valor. Um, and maybe even his, uh, those around him may not even look at Gideon as a man of valor, um, you know, uh, you know, his own family may not even be looking at him as a man of valor, but yet God sees him as a man of valor. Okay, now hang on to that, all right? So verse uh, 13 on here brings this out in chapter 6 again, verse 13 now. It says, Gideon said to him, so he answers him, O my Lord, if, if the Lord is with us, 
Okay, and he, he knows that if the Lord, remember, remember now the angel of the Lord said the Lord is with him, but he says if the Lord is with us, then why then has all these things happened to us? So he's, he's looking back here, everything they're going through now and everything in the past, he's looking back. Why has all this been happening to us? And where are all the miracles uh, which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, okay, go in this might of yours. In other words, I'm not listening to that. I'm not, I, you know, he's, he's, Gideon's trying to look back and say, you know, look at this and what about that and if this and, and if that, okay, but yet uh, the, the angel of the Lord is saying, uh, you know, no, God's with you and you're a mighty man of valor. And this verse here, verse 14 says, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? In other words, there's a, there's a bidding or a, a calling for him to go deliver uh, the people of God from the Midianites. Verse 15, though, you know, obviously Gideon's not getting this. So he said, he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? So now he's taking a real look inward. How can I? Indeed, my clan, in other words, my family, is the weakest in Manasseh, okay? And I am the least in my father's house. And again, the angel of the Lord, or the Lord here it says, said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Okay, now obviously there's a, a little bit of a conflict here about how Gideon is viewing the situation, how Gideon's viewing himself. Okay, he's not really uh, at all even portraying to be a man of valor. Well, we don't see it here, okay, at least at, to, at this moment. Uh, what we see is a man really just uh, being more moved by the past, uh, being more moved by how it looks, being more moved by how he feels, uh, being more moved by, you know, the, you know, the circumstance at the moment, okay, than he is with what God has said about him. Now, that's, okay, you, you got to understand that uh, just because um, he's in this condition doesn't mean that that's who he is. Maybe I can say it in another way here. Let's see. Maybe um, never confuse where you are with who you are. Okay, right now you may, you may be in a, a position you think, even yourself thinking, uh, there's no way I could do this or no way I could be this or no way I, I could fulfill this or complete this or whatever it is, okay? I've got all this happening. i got all this stuff that went down. Uh, my past is kind of uh, shady. I've had things that went wrong, things that didn't go the way I wanted. I didn't see the miracles I thought I was going to see. I didn't see the breakthroughs I thought I was going to see. I didn't see, th see things happen the way I thought maybe it should have happened. I mean, we got all these kind of similar things that have maybe happened to us that have, that have also happened to Gideon, all right? So Gideon, you know, he's just voicing how he feels. He's voicing uh, how it looks, okay? And, uh, but the angel of the Lord is not, is not relenting on this, okay? You're a mighty man of valor. God's with you. You're going to go and you're going to defeat the Midianites as one man, all right? You're going to do this because that's who you are. All right. So I think about this, um, you know, when you kind of go back to the definition of, of valor or man of valor, because it's really just one 
one Hebrew word, but it talks about that quality of mind. So it comes down to kind of a mindset, a quality of mind to encounter danger or difficulty and to do it with some boldness, to, to do it with some courage, okay, to do it with, an, in a sense, a firmness. In other words, I'm not going to relent. I'm going to push, push through it. Uh, you know, sometimes when you think about this word courage, because it's probably maybe a key word for today, um, I think it was uh, John Wayne one time uh, made the statement that, uh, uh, you know, that courage uh, isn't necessarily the absence of fear, it's, it's facing fear, going and doing it, saddling up and going, going to it and do it anyway. Okay, I'm sure I butchered that. But the bottom line is, is that's kind of what courage is. Courage isn't uh, denying the existence of the danger or the difficulty or the circumstance or what you're up against or what you've dealt with. See, courage isn't necessarily... Uh, you know, uh, denying the existence of all that. It's just saying, I'm going to go do anyway what I'm called to do or to push forward regardless uh, of how I feel at the moment, all right? And uh, I was thinking about this, um, maybe just a statement that came to me, uh, uh, I think it was yesterday morning in prayer, and, um, uh, you know, that sometimes life can be, life can be sometimes complicated, okay, and especially with Everything that's going on right now, there's certain things about it that just, it just kind of complicates a few things. But even though life can be complicated at times, just by following through with just some basic principles of Christ, the Bible calls them the principles of Christ, all right? So just the basic principles of Christ, it'll simplify your life. Even though everything around looks complicated, it'll begin to help simplify your life if you just move forward with just some simple things, okay? And part of that, um, the reason I mention that is because it comes down to this. Gideon, we're just asking you to believe what he says. See, that's all the angel of the Lord's trying to do. Believe what God says about you. If you just believe what God says about you, we can start moving forward. But right now, we can't because of a mindset, okay, now, a lot of times, you know, we read through this when we're talking about identity. You know, we minister a lot about identity around here. And we, in fact, we're doing a, in our, uh, you know, for the most part in our Sunday services, uh, you know, for the first part of the year, we dealt with identity and dealing with identity. And so you can't really talk about identity without, without bringing up Gideon because uh, we see kind of the, the, the other side of the coin with, with Gideon because we see a man that won't believe who he really is, okay? And uh, so the, the angel of the Lord is trying to get him to believe what God said about him. And, and I'm uh, right now as the pastor looking at you, okay, and saying, you know, uh, I want you to believe what God says about you. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the pressure, regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the complication, regardless of the past, regardless of of what didn't go right, or at least according to what you thought it should go, whatever, regardless of all of that, will you just believe what God says about you? Because it does take courage to do that. It, it takes a man or a woman of valor to just believe it anyway. Because that's going to be the start. Because we're going we're to go through uh, you know, these next couple chapters here, 
with Gideon's life, and we're going to see where this man does become the man of valor. He becomes a man of valor. Okay? It didn't look that way in the beginning. It didn't sound that way in the beginning. But somewhere along the line, he began to get it. Okay? And when he got it, guess what? He goes down in history, exactly what God said he was, a man of valor. And then he's mentioned, again, like I said, in Hebrews 11 as a man of faith. Okay? So... Praise the Lord. Well, you know, you're looking at the, you know, the first part of this little story. You're not seeing a man of faith. You're not seeing uh, a man of valor. You're not hearing uh, a man of valor talking here. You're not, you're not hearing a man of valor, uh, you know, uh, say the things that he's saying. It doesn't sound like no man of valor anyway. But he just has to believe it. See, just the basic principles of Christ is telling you, just believe what he says about you. So, I, you know, I took, you know, I was thinking about this. You can either be defeat-minded. You know, you can, you know, say I can't do it or I can't be it or, you know, feel a victim or whatever it is or excuses or, you know, you know whatever it may be. Uh, you could be, you know, defeat-minded or you can be uh, valor-minded or we, maybe we could say victory-minded, okay, just a mindset here, okay, where I can do all things through Christ uh, who strengthens me. I can do this, okay. I, uh, you know, I, I can, I, I, if I'm all in and just move forward, I can actually become what he says uh, that I can become, or I can be who he says I can be, or I, I will fulfill what he says I can fulfill. But we got to get you all in. We got to get you to first and foremost, the basic principle of Christ is believe what he says about you. That's what's key. Okay, this is how it starts. Okay, so I just, I just put down some, some references here and we're not going to turn to them by any means, but because uh, we've definitely taken the time over the years, uh, you know, through uh, identity series, especially have touched on these. But 2 Corinthians and 5, uh, verses 17 through 21, there's a few things that it talks about who you are. First off, it says you're a new creation. You're a new creation. You know, uh, all things become new. You know, the old's all passed away. All things become new. Okay. You're, the word says you're reconciled. Okay. So you've been, there's been a, may, a way made for you to be reconciled unto him. And then it goes on to say that you also are called to, uh, you know, go out there in the ministry of reconciliation and reconcile others. In other words, turn others toward Christ, away from who they were to who they should be. Amen. All right. You're ambassadors for Christ, the scripture says. Uh, you are representative of Christ and of, of the kingdom of light. All right. You're the righteousness of God, uh, that text brings out. Okay. You're in right standing with Almighty God based on what Christ said. Now, if you look at all those things, you may not feel like a new creation. You may not feel like you're reconciled or an ambassador or the righteousness of God, but that's who you are. That's, that's who He says you are. Okay? So you're going to have to, just like Gideon, going to have to, in a sense, take, take some courage and just receive what God said about you. That's where it starts because there's a whole lot of other things that we're going to see in Gideon's life for him to move forward, a whole lot of things in your life for you to move forward, that it's going to start with you at first and foremost just believing what the Lord said about you. Because if you ain't going to believe it, then it's hard for you to do anything else he's asking of you if you can't even believe what he says about you. All right, now I'm not trying to scold anybody. I'm just, this is just, you know, we see in Gideon's life that he had to get, get a hold of that. Okay, because until he believed himself that he was a man of valor, he, he doesn't become that. Okay, so that's the key. All right. Uh, amen. 
men. Remember now, if you confuse where you're at with who you are, uh, then you never become that. But if you start believing, amen, if you start finding out who you are, then you start changing where you are. That's just, that's just something to think about, amen. Okay, Ephesians 1 and verses 3 through 7, all right, talks about that you're chosen, okay, that you're predestined, in other words, you've got a future, amen, that you've been adopted into the kingdom of light, right, into the family of God. You're accepted, amen, in, in, in God, right? Hallelujah. You're redeemed. In other words, a price has been paid for you. Amen. You're forgiven. See, these are all part of who you are. All right? Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 2 says that, that you're, uh, you're triumphant. Okay? Uh, you know, that you have, uh, you, you know, you're, you're led in, 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 in triumph. Okay? You're, you're, you're triumphant in God. 1 Corinthians 15 says that you're victorious or the victor. You're not a victim. You're the victor. All right? You have victory in Christ, all right? Romans 8, hallelujah, uh, verse 37, brings out that you're, you're more than a conqueror. You're not just somebody that copes with life, okay? Okay, you conquer. You're more than a conqueror, praise God. 1 John 5 and, and 4 and also uh, chapter 4, verse 4 of 1 John brings out that you're an overcomer. You're a world overcomer because the greater one, dwells on the inside. Now, this is all part of your identity, who you are. Now, you may say, well, I don't feel like I'm victorious. I don't feel like I'm triumphant. I don't feel like I'm an overcomer. I don't feel like a conqueror. Amen. But that, uh, you know, you can't go by how you feel sometimes. You got to go. Amen. You got to, in a sense, take some courage here. Take courage and receive who you are. That's where it starts. Uh, I threw this one in. I thought this is a good one. Deuteronomy 28 and uh, verse 13 brings out uh, that you're the head and not the tail. <laughs> Amen. You're, the, you're above only and not beneath. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I just, those are good. Those are just things that, that bring out who you are. So just like God, you know, sent the angel of the Lord to tell Gideon that you're a mighty man of valor. Okay. Your pastor right now has been sent to tell you, Amen. That you're an overcomer, a conqueror. Amen. The Spirit of God's telling you today, praise God, that you're victorious in Him. That you can do all things through Christ. Amen. Your pastor was sent today to tell you that you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're chosen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been reconciled. Amen. You're the righteousness of God. You're a new creation in Christ. Amen. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, it's, it's going to take a man of valor, okay, a woman of valor. It's going to take a, 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 a valor, a valor mindset, a courageous mindset to just say, you know what? I'm going to receive that. Even though I don't, it doesn't look like it right now, even though it may not uh, seem like it right now, even though I may not feel like it right now, even though maybe not everybody sees that right now, but I'm going to receive that just because that's what God says about me. Amen. It takes, it takes courage just to receive that. All right. So I'm asking you to do that to start this thing. All right. So back in Judges now. All right. So of course, through a little bit of, a, uh, you know, a little bit of work here on Gideon, uh, you know, he gets, he gets it settled in his head a little bit. Uh, but we're going to stay in chapter 6 for a minute here. Let's go to, um, uh, I'm going to go down here to verse 
22. Now, of course, I'm skipping through a little bit here. Uh, but anyway, so now it says, Gideon, now Gideon perceived that he was, or pardon me, that, talking about this angel, that, that that angel was the angel of the Lord. Okay, so finally he got a hold of it, you know, due to a, uh, you know, a little a little miracle that just happened. All right, so now he's, he said, all right, this is obviously is from God. And he says, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Okay, do not fear, you shall not die. And so Gideon built an altar there uh, to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace or the Lord sh- or, uh, Shalom is that word peace there. Okay. All right. Jehovah Shalom. All right. Is what that means. Uh, to this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abizrites. Okay. Now, it, now it came to pass, verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to, uh, to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar. Here we go now. Tear down the altar of Baal. Now, Baal being really a, a false god, uh, really it's in a sense now, it's, it's worthy of noting, it's the gods of the, of the Midianites, okay? And, uh, and so uh, there's an altar that's been placed there, all right? And it, he says, I, I want you to tear it down, right? He said, tear down. Uh, the, the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, okay? Now, again, it's a, a thing, it's a, basically a, a, an idol that's been erected, okay, for this false god, okay? And it says, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the, in, in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice uh, with the wood of the image uh, that you shall cut down, all right? So Gideon, uh, look at this, took 10 men from among his servants, all right, and did as the Lord had said to him. Now, you notice he did what the Lord said. So it took courage to do the right thing here. So obviously Gideon's starting to get a hold of this. Now, I don't believe all the way yet, but he's getting it, all right? He's, He's moving forward, praise God, all right? So he did, it says here, Verse 27, he did as the Lord had said to him, but because, uh-oh, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night, okay? So we know he's not, he's not totally, you know, totally all in yet, but he's heading that way. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now you notice he's, the thing he's concerned about here now, he's concerned about his own, his own family. Uh, probably, you know, his own friends and community here. Okay, what are they going to say? So that's why he did it at night, not by day. But when the men of the city arose, verse 28, in the morning, there was uh, the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was also cut down. He did exactly what he was supposed to. And the second bowl was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, now this is the community, you know, the people talking, who has done this thing, right? Who, who did this, right? Right? They woke up. This is all happening. So who did all this? And when they had inquired and asked, uh, they found out that it was Gideon, the son of Joash, who had done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring, uh, bring out your son that he may die. <laughs> so he's already got a conflict. You know, you think about this. Anytime, um, anytime, uh, uh, you begin to do something courageous or do something, 
you know, make a stand, however you want to word it. Okay, do something uh, with some boldness. Uh, you got to understand that not everybody just lays down at first, you know. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll rouse the critic. It'll rouse uh, the enemy, all right. In this case, we see off the bat, it already aroused, got everybody roused up, uh, you know, in the community, all right. All right, so bring out your son that he may die uh, because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image uh, that was beside it. But Joash said, I love this, Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? In other words, you're going you're gonna to make a stand for Baal, really? This false god? Would you, would you uh, save him? Let this, I love this. Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by mourning. All right. If he is a, a uh, if he is a god, let him plead for himself because this altar has been tore, tore down. In other words, I just kind of like that. Well, if if God wants if that god if Baal wants him dead, then let Baal do the work. Okay, I thought that was pretty good, right? If if this god is so so uh, whatever you know you're claiming him to be, then let him do the job, right? Therefore, on the day he called, uh, on that day, he called him Jerubal, Jerubal, okay, uh, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. Okay, that's, anyway, that's a name that comes up later again. Hallelujah. So now we're seeing here, all right, uh, Gideon tore down the altars, all right, had some men that helped him, all right, they tore down the altars, cut down the image, all right, so we see uh, Joash, or, or pardon me, uh, Gideon, um, making a stand, okay, even though he may be at first still not, maybe we're not seeing him totally in yet, but he's moving forward. Praise the Lord. I thought that's good news because, you know, sometimes even in our own lives, maybe we're just we're getting this and we're starting to take steps. All right, good. We're just taking steps forward. We're just moving forward. Amen. We're choosing life. You know, Deuteronomy 30 says, choose life, right, that you and your descendants may live. In other words, this choice of choosing life and moving forward is not just going to affect you. It's going to affect even your descendants. It's going to affect those around you, your family, uh, your friends. It's going to affect uh, maybe your community, all right? Hallelujah. That's good news, right? So uh, anyway, so he, he makes a stand, and obviously right off the bat, the community gets a little bit roused up a little bit, and uh, his dad even takes a stand a little bit and says, fine, if, if uh, you know, if, if that God's so mad, let him handle it, you know, if he's such a God, you know, or, so, you know, whatever, you know. But I just think, you know, uh, in all the things that uh, we were talking about, a man of valor or a woman of valor or somebody of courage, okay, uh, you know, this fearless courage or whatever, um, it's, it comes down to this, okay? Um, it, it takes courage to, to be the light, doesn't it? It takes courage to be the salt. You know, um, uh, Matthew 5 brings out uh, that you're the salt of the, of the earth. It goes on to say you're the light of the world, all right? And... And, uh, and it goes down a couple of verses in there. This is like verses 13 through 16, I believe it is. And it says, let your light so shine among men, it says. And it takes courage, you know, to, to do what's right. In the, not only in the face of God or for God, but in the face of others, okay, where others are going to notice. It says, let your light so shine among men, okay. And it goes on then to say that, that they'll glorify your God because of what they see, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is going to be good with it or everybody's on board with it. But you have to understand that somewhere along the line, you got to take courage and do what's right, amen, because 
not only you, but those around you, amen, will, will benefit from it. Amen. And that's what we're starting to see here. All right. Now, in a, in a, you know, in a roundabout way, the, you know, the, you know, the people of the community basically got, you know, you know, kind of, you know, got uh, taken care of there. But how many know it wasn't just the critics now that are rising up and got a little bit upset about it? Now we got the enemy here, okay? And this is what, where we go from here. Now, verse 33 of chapter 6 of, or of Judges says this, says, Then all the Midianites and Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel, okay? But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now, um, you know, we, it doesn't necessarily say that, but, we, but because in light what it was, you know, we got, you know, he tore down those altars, Basically, what it is, is we're making a stand, okay? We're not going to bow down to these altars. We're not letting these, uh, this altar remain here any longer. So we're letting it be known, not only to our community, but to all those around. We're, in this case, we're letting it be known to, our, uh, to those who are oppressing us. We're not bowing down to your God, okay? So it gets them riled, okay? They're roused up now a little bit. Okay, here they come now. It says, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Here we go now. And then he blew the trumpet, and uh, the Abzerites, okay, man, that was a funky word there, gathered behind him. Now listen, so in other words, he blew the trumpets. Here come some people, right? And he sent messengers, okay, throughout all Manasseh, uh, who also gathered behind him. And he also sent messengers to Ashir, uh, Zebulun and uh, Naphtali, okay, and they came up to meet them. So now, obviously, we're seeing some courage beginning to stir within Gideon, okay? First, he tears down the altars, okay? He does what's right, all right? All right, and, and I think through the circumstance of everything happening, it's, it's stirring something, okay? Now, all of a sudden, the enemies are rising up out there, and here they come. Now, you, you know as well as I do, uh, you know, up to this point, every, every year at this time or about this time, they come up over the hill to steal their crops. So, you know, but here they come now. They're pretty aggressive right now. They're teaming up. It isn't just the Midianites now. Okay, what it says, it's the, it's the Midianites, the Amalekites, and even the people of the east. So there's obviously more that have come together now. Uh, so we're seeing, uh, you know, like multiple armies coming together, okay? And w w when we're done with this thing, literally it's, uh, you know, like a, a hundred and whatever it is, nearly like 150,000 uh, uh, soldiers have come together, okay? It's, it's quite a few people here. They're not just coming to take the crops now. They're, they're coming to war, okay? And, and, uh, and personally, I believe it's because, uh, you know, Gideon made a stand, all right? And uh, so here they come. And now it isn't just, you know, make a stand in your community. Okay, you've not only got the critics and, and you know, the, those in your community upset, you've, you've, you've now got, you know, your enemy is now upset. And here he comes, okay? Here comes the enemy. Well, it takes courage not to just do what's right, in the face of God and in the face of others, 
But it takes courage to face your enemy, to resist. I mean, I'm, I'm standing here talking to my, uh, you know, to those who are watching and listening and saying, you know, uh, you, know you have an enemy. I mean, you don't, you don't get very far with, you know, with our, what we minister from behind this pulpit without understanding that you got a good God, amen, and you got a, a, a bad enemy, okay? And the enemy is a deceiver. He's a, a, a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? You can't, you, can't, you can't get very far into this without understanding that you got an enemy that's always trying to, you know, to intimidate you, all right? So it takes courage to face your enemy, but you can do it. Uh, James 4 brings out real clear, you know, submit yourself to God. Verse 7 there, submit yourself to God. In other words, you know, yield to God and then resist your enemy, okay? And, you know, we've taught on that many times that there's a reason it says submit first, submit to God first, that's key, and then God will show you how to resist your enemy, okay, or oppose uh, your enemy, all right? And it says if you do that, then he will flee. So if you do that right, all right, if you submit to God, get your leading or your bidding or prompting, you know, resist your enemy. And if you'll do that, the enemy flees, okay? But he ain't going to flee if you don't resist, okay? It's just, just fact, okay? So it takes courage. See, it takes a man of valor or a woman of valor, you know, a person of valor, okay, courageous one, to not only do what's right, to say what's right, regardless of, of who's around, okay, you know, choosing life, okay, takes courage to do that, but it also takes courage, see, to, to face your enemy, okay? You don't, just, you don't just let the enemy come in and keep stealing, okay? And that's the problem that we had here. That's what Gideon's whole problem was in the beginning is that, you know, the enemy keeps coming and taking and stealing and, and where's God and where are the miracles and, and how come this and what about that? Well, it, it takes a man of courage, a man of valor, all right, to face, you know, your enemy. And that's really what he found out. You, you know, he first had to receive, it took valor just to receive what God said about him. It took valor for him to do what was right, you know, by burning down, uh, you know, that altar and cutting down that, that, that wooden image, you know, taking it down, amen, and, and erecting something for God. It took courage to do that. But it takes courage to face your enemy. Stop letting him take. Stop letting him steal. Stop letting him uh, come in and, and, and destroy in your household. You got to face him. Take the word of God and the leading of God and the spirit of God and, and the armor of God. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but, but all, the, all the, the, these uh, weaponry and, and, and the, the tools, so to speak, that God has given you, the benefits that God has given you, amen, to face your enemy. Don't let him take anymore. Face him. It takes courage to do that, but you got to first believe who you are Amen. And be willing to move forward in who you are. Amen. But then you got you to go after it. You can't quit. You can't, you can't quit halfway. You, you got to be all in here. Okay. Uh, that's what it means by being courageous. Okay. Because, you know, there are things that, that will that try to intimidate you. 
things that try to, you know, maybe that past that, well, you know, I stumbled at this before or, or you know, I, I went through this before and who's to say I won't go through that again or something. All them kind of thoughts begin to hit you. But if you don't watch it, you're, you operate out of a wrong mindset, a defeat mindset instead of a victory mindset, instead of a, a, a valor mindset. And again, I'm going to say this. We're not denying the existence of all that's, that's worn against you, of the pressure you're under, of the circumstance, the difficulty, the danger, the this, the that. Okay, we're not, we're not denying its existence, but we are denying its right to dictate your life, to dominate in your life. We deny its right to take authority over you. So we're saying you believe who you are and you take authority over it. Amen. Hallelujah. And it does. It takes, it takes valor. It takes courage to do that. But we see that in Gideon's life. Praise God. All right. Let's maybe uh, do this. Uh, uh, let's see here. I, I'm going to go. Uh, I think I put a, a Ephesians 6 was a reference I used in here and and I kind of mentioned that about the armor of God, but uh, in that reference it says that uh, uh, in verse uh, 12 it says, We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now the reason I, I mention that is because when we're talking to you about your enemies, we're not talking about people. Okay, Now you might have people that maybe bring conflict, or maybe we could even say maybe sometimes the enemy uses them to rub you wrong. Okay, we're not denying that, but you just have to understand that when we're talking about your enemies, we're not talking about people. We're talking about principalities and power. We're talking about the enemy. We're talking about the devil himself and all uh, his cohorts. So we're talking about uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the realm of darkness that's trying to war against you. All right, now it's just necessary to understand. Now we see as example in here a type and a shadow. You know, Gideon's facing men, okay. But uh, when we're talking to you about the enemy, we're talking about uh, we're not talking about flesh and blood because pretty soon you start thinking that your spouse is your enemy, or or uh, you know the, that that employer might be your enemy, or the government might be your enemy, or or whatever. We can kind of go on and on, and pretty soon you got everything worked up in your head. And before long, you're not even realizing you're cowering to something uh, that you shouldn't be cowering to or you're giving place to something you shouldn't be giving place to. You're giving something, uh, you know, more uh, authority in your life than you should give it. And, 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 and instead of just, wait a minute, now what's behind all that? See, even though people might get used once in a while by the enemy, what's behind it? Okay, that's what we're talking about. Deal with your enemy, your, your true enemy. And really, I should say, your only enemy. <laughs> That's right. Okay? So it makes things simple when you just, you know, resist the devil. The Word says he'll flee from you. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go now to Judges 7. All right? I appreciate you letting me kind of uh, just add that in there a little bit. But Judges 7, please. And I'm going to go uh, um, verse 1. Then Jeroboam, uh, Jerobal, uh, which is Gideon. Okay, that was what they called him earlier, okay, but it's Gideon they're talking about here, and all the people who were with him. So all these people, he blew the trumpet, remember now, let's get back to that, he blew the trumpet, and here come a bunch of people. And really he had a lot of people show up, okay, we're going to see here. 
okay, which was kind of a cool thing, okay. So all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside uh, the well of uh, Harad, okay, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of, uh, of them by the hill of Moriah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with, look at this, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midianite, the Midianites into your hands. Isn't that funny? Think about this. God says, you got too many people. <laughs> now you'd think, no, if we had more people. We need more people, right? We gotta, the, more, the more the better. The more, the more we have, the more powerful. You know, God says, listen, I can take a few and do something miraculous here, all right? So he says, uh, uh, you know, uh, you have too many, all right? And he says, uh, uh, and, he, and look at this, I love this. He said, lest Israel claim glory for itself against, uh, against me, okay? And he said, saying, uh, my own hand has saved me, okay? So in other words, what God's trying to do here is show him, okay, I'm going to do this with just a few people, okay, just a handful, really, uh, and I'm going to do it because you're going to know it was, it, was, it was the hand of God that delivered you, all right? Now, uh, therefore, verse 3, therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, uh, whoever is fearful and afraid, just ask the question, let him turn and depart at once uh, from Mount Gilead, okay? And what happened? Well, right off the bat, 22,000 returned. Okay, 22,000. Okay, so we're talking a lot of people here. 22,000 returned, and only 10,000 of them stayed. So we're talking about this group. He blows the trumpet to sound an alarm through all the community, the whole region there, uh, trying to get them all to gather together. And we had 30, uh, 32,000 men showed up. 32,000. That's a lot of people that showed up. Amen. Well, Obviously, he says, whoever's fearful and afraid, go ahead and leave. And, of course, 22,000. In other words, basically, you know, a little over two-thirds of this group left. Okay, we got 10,000 remaining. Well, could you imagine? Okay, you think you're going to go into, into battle here. Okay, you got a pretty good group here. Now, it's still, it doesn't compare to what's, you know, on the other side of the hill. But, you know, you say, okay, God says we got too many. So any of you that are afraid, you can go ahead, turn back, head back for home. And two-thirds of them get up and head out, okay? And I, that, that almost make you like your heart would sink, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you, know, you're, you know, you're hoping maybe only a handful leave, right? But two-thirds, over two-thirds of them left, all right? But the Lord said to Gideon then, verse 4, the people are still too many. Now you still got too many. I mean, you're thinking, you know, in your head, you're thinking, Lord, two-thirds of them already left. All right, I didn't even think I had enough to start with, but now it's like two-thirds of them already left, and God says, you, I st you still got too many, okay? All right, and he said, now bring them down to the water, and I'll test them uh, for you there. Uh, then it will be uh, that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, and the same shall go with you, and whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go with you. So he brought the, uh, brought the people down, in other words, there's 10,000 men, down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps uh, uh, from the water uh, with his tongue as, as a dog laps, uh, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, all right? In other words, you set them apart, right? Now, the number of those who lapped by putting their hand to their mouth, so that's what he's talking about. In other words, they, they spooned, they kind of knelt down, but they spooned the water up, brought it up to their mouth, 
Okay, those that did that, you set them aside. Those that just get down on all four and basically try to drink from the stream or the river or whatever it is, this body or the water that's there, okay, you set them apart, okay? All right. So it says here um, that the number of those who lapped by putting their hand up to their mouth was only 300 men. All the rest of them got down on their knees to drink water. Now, I don't know. You know, to me, I just kind of look at it. It doesn't necessarily say this, so you kind of have, you know, you kind of got to, you know, maybe you think, well, why did God determine that? Um, I don't know. To me, I'm just going off maybe my, my own opinion. Um, you know, when you're talking about somebody that spoons the water, brings it up to their mouth, to me it shows that they're still being, they're still alert. They're still looking while they're drinking. The people that are on all four, they're, they're vulnerable. They're down on their their face in the water, and they're vulnerable, okay? Uh, you know, the people that are standing and just scooping water and bringing it up to their mouth, they're more apt to be alert. So maybe, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, but God picked the 300, didn't he? The 300, all right? Hallelujah. And uh, let's see, verse, uh, let's see, verse 7 says, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lap, I will save you. And deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other uh, people go, every man to his place. And, of course, they all leave, all right? They all left, all right? Now, all right. So I'm starting to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this. Um, it takes courage to, to believe what God says about you. It takes courage uh, to do what's right, you know, in, in, regardless if, if your family, friends, your community, whether they all agree with you or not. It still, it still takes courage to do its right, okay? Um, it takes courage to face your enemy, all right? It takes courage to face your enemy. It does, all right? Now, we're, we're looking at, at Gideon's is not afraid now to face the enemy. And we're seeing um, God is leading. And I kind of, I think this is worthy of bringing out. We're talking about a man of valor. And why was this man of valor referred to as a man of faith, okay? So what was it about him? Well, you know, it, it might have took him a while. Maybe at first, you know, he's spinning his wheels a little bit, but he got it, okay? He got it. He wasn't afraid to face his enemy. And then, then God all of a sudden starts leading, uh, you know, uh, you got too many. Uh, you know, we need to, you know, thin out the herd, so to speak. And, and, you know, those that are afraid, leave. I mean, we're thinking about all the stuff that God is asking of him, okay? And then he, they're down to 10,000. He says, now we still got too many. And so now go to the water and do this. And those that, that bring the water up to their mouth, those are the ones you're keeping, all right? Now, you think about it. I mean, these are some, you know, this is kind of, this is kind of unusual. And maybe that's just the best word I can use. Unusual leadings, okay? And, and Romans 8 uh, says this in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The word sons is the Greek word, or pardon me, the Hebrew, no, the Greek word, uh, weos, which, which means uh, mature one, okay? So it's talking about uh, your maturity is based on how much you're going to be led by God. Okay, and that's what it's bringing out there in Romans 8. And uh, we're seeing the same thing with Gideon right now and those with him. So 
Okay, you got too many. I need a bunch of you to leave. So this is what we're going to do. Bang. They followed. He did exactly like he said. Okay, you still got too many. Bang. This is what we do. He followed. Okay. Then it goes in. Uh, you know, you get down here and they took uh, verse 8 of, of chapter 7 again. It says, so they took, uh, they took provisions and their trumpets in their hand. Trumpets. Why'd they bring their trumpets? I mean, they plan on having a party. Uh, Why'd they bring their trumpets? All right. Well, obviously they were led to bring the trumpets. Okay. So they brought trumpets. He sent away all the rest of, uh, uh, of Israel, every man to his tent, and uh, returned, or pardon me, retained those 300 men. Now the camp of, the, of, of Midian was below him in the valley. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp uh, with, with uh, Purah, uh, your servant, and you shall hear what, they, what, they're, what they're saying, right? And afterward your hands uh, shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. And so he went down with, with Purah and his, his servant. So the two of his men, so Gideon and, and his servant, Okay, went down to the edge of the, of the army there. Okay, kind of snuck down in there, right? And I like that. God said, God even brought that out. Listen, if you're still struggling a little bit with this, if you still have any kind of hesitation, okay, this is what I'm going to have you do. Right? You go down there and you just get, get close enough you can start hearing them talk. Your enemy. Okay, you get down there close enough, all right, that you can hear them, all right? Just so he's doing that. It says, now the Midianites and Amalekites and all the people of the east were, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, all right? And their camels were without number and the, uh, as the sand by the seashore in multitude, all right? And when Gideon had come down, there was a man telling a dream that he had, right, to his companion. So he's explaining a dream that he had. And, to, and, to, uh, and he said this, to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. This, this loaf of bread tumbled down the hill into the camp, right? And it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell, uh, fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. So he's just saying a loaf of bread was enough to, to collapse. We didn't take nothing but a loaf of bread rolling down the hill, hitting the tent, caused the whole tent to collapse. And his companion answered and said, well, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon. The son of Joash, uh, the man of Israel. Look at that. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And look at that was that's what the other guy had to say about it. Okay, they're they're the enemy. Okay, so he's just saying, listen, you go down there, you're going to hear something, and I guarantee you, when you hear that, it, it's going to boost your morale, man. Hallelujah. And of course, he went down and heard that, so they thought, okay, God is is definitely handing the camp over to us. And uh, let's see, maybe we'll go to. Uh, Let's see here. Verse 15, I think, is where I'm at now. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and his interpretation that he worshipped. He, in other words, he got all excited. He rejoiced, and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men. I love this. So he's obviously got a leading how to do this. He divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet, and there we go. Here's those trumpets, into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. Okay, so on one hand, they got a trumpet. The other hand, they have a pitcher. Or they got a, a, a torch that's in a pitcher, okay? All right, so uh, there's a reason for all this. So, uh, you know, you think about this. A torch isn't out, out where they can all see it. There's, a, there's a, a vessel that's over it right now, so it's allowing light to maybe come down low where their feet is or where their feet are, but they're not, it's not broadcasting light, okay? And they have a trumpet, all right? And he goes on, he says, and he said to them, look... Um, Let's see here. Uh, look at me and do likewise. In other words, you three, there's three companies, 
And, of course, Gideon takes one-third of the company. So he's got 100 men. And, and another 100 men go this way. Another 100 men go that way. And they surround. They get up on top of the hill all the way around this enemy, okay, this camp down below. Okay, so you got the Amalekites and the Midianites and all the people of the, the armies of the east, okay, all together, okay, down below. And he says, when I blow the trumpet and, I, and, and all who are with me, uh, pardon me, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. In other words, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna blow your horns and you're going to shout a victory shout, okay, so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him, verse 19, came uh, to the outpost of the camp uh, at, at the beginning uh, of the mi uh, middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew uh, the trumpets and broke the pitchers uh, that were in their hands, and the three companies, uh, all three companies did the same thing, okay? So every man now standing around, all the way around now, they all got spread all the way around them, so we can, you know, imagine 300 men now. So these 300 men is probably looking like, you know, thousands, okay, because they surrounded them. They're all blowing their trumpets. They're all making the victory shout, hallelujah, and they break those pictures so that that light all of a sudden now is being broadcast. So what it is now, it, it, it creates a confusion in the camp, and they turn on each other, all right? A bunch flee, and, and the rest all turn on each other, all right? And let's see here. Let me go to, uh, get down here to, where are they at here? Uh, I'll go to verse, uh, let's see. So 300, so the 300 men, they break, they do all the, what they did, and they turned on each other. And I'm, I'm, I'm missing out here where the, where the number is here. Where, oh, right, here it is. Okay, here it is. It's in chapter 8. I'm just going to turn there real quick. Um, all right, and it says this uh, in verse 10 that there was about 15,000 who all took off, okay? But those that killed, killed one another uh, in the camp was 120,000 men. Now, you think about that. They all turned on each other, okay? These are the numbers that it gives you here, all right? Uh, so 120,000 Okay, plus the 15,000, obviously there was a, at least 135,000 men that were these armies that were gathered together. When they did that, 120,000 of them. Now, if you stop and you think about it, just do the math, 120,000, that's that of, of Gideon's 300, that's 1 to 400 or 450, okay? Uh, so that's what the, how much they were outnumbered. But when they did what God said, and it took courage to do that, it took valor to do that, but when they did it, okay, 120,000 men turned on each other, and, and there's 120,000 dead in the valley there, and 15,000 that were still alive took off. And, of course, uh, uh, Gideon and, 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 and the 300 take off after them, all right, uh, to, to get them. And the word, I, just a verse I like, okay, I don't know if I um, um, gave it to, to uh, you know, my folks back here, but the word verse 4 of, of, of uh, Judges 8-4 said this, that the 300 men who were with him crossed over, and it said this, I love this, they were exhausted but still in pursuit. All right, just, to, just I thought that was good, okay? And so we're not denying <laughs> that what they were doing, man, it was exhausting, but they were still in pursuit. 
they kept going, all right? So maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you just feel tired. Maybe you feel wore out. You know, I feel like I've been standing and believing and, and uh, you know, I don't know. Well, just draw courage. Take courage. Amen. And you may, maybe you are tired. Maybe you're, 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 you feel done with all this that's going on. Maybe you're up against something that's been, seemed like it's gone on forever. But, but if, you just, if you just take courage, amen, and keep moving forward. Keep believing in who you are. Keep believing in what, what God has is, is, is led you to do. Keep following God. Keep doing the right thing. Amen. Keep resisting. All right? If you just keep doing that, you may, you may still, I, I'm tired, I'm, I'm worried. Just keep going. A lot of people have given up in the last minutes, okay, because they're just tired. And they give up and not even realize you're, you're probably minutes away from your breakthrough. Just, a, you know, inches away from your breakthrough. All right? So don't give up. Just keep going. And that was a neat thing about Gideon. He didn't give up. He followed through. And, of course, there's more to the story. But he followed through. And guess what? He finished the job, praise God, and he goes on uh, to be, uh, you know, admired as a man of valor. Praise God. A great hero, a mighty hero, amen, who goes down in history as a man of faith, praise God. Hallelujah. And so I'm encouraging you today, amen, to follow God, amen, believe God, trust in God, believe in what he says about you. Amen. And, and follow it when God leads. Amen. God might give you, you know, kind of like Gideon, you know, give you some you know, crazy plan to, uh, you know, it might seem you know, crazy in the head, that's what I'm saying, but, but it, it, to God, it's just what you do. All right? You know, you think about this. I'm, I'm closing now, so I've probably gone long enough here, but, you know, Jesus in, in John 5, you know, said that, you know, um, I, I, I do what I see the Father do. And you go, and John uh, 12, he says, you know, I, I only say what I hear the Father say. All right? So if you kind of look at Jesus' life, think about all the, what, all the things that God led him to do. And you think, man, why would God tell him to rub mud in a blind guy's eye? Why would God tell that person that they only could wash off in, in, in the certain uh, certain pool. Uh, why? Why did he go into the pool of Bethesda just to minister to one man? Why did uh, you know? Why did uh, uh, you know he? Uh, you know, just just go on and on all the miracles and the way he did things. And you think, well, man, that was kind of a wild way of doing this. And and yet it was a leading of God. He did what God uh, showed him to do. He said what God uh, told him to say. And when he did that, it always worked. And so I'm encouraging you. All right. Take courage. Follow God. Amen. Believe in God. Believe in His Word, what it says about you. Amen. And be a man or a woman of valor. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and praise you for the people listening and watching today. Thank you that they're a people of God, a people of valor. Praise God. Courageous in you. And that no matter what they're facing right now, what difficulties, uh, what dangers, what, whatever it is they're dealing with right now, maybe just pressures from things going on, things from their past, things going on right now, maybe things that have been dogging their tracks for a while, whatever it is, I thank you, Lord, that they'll rise up in courage and take ground, hallelujah, and be all that God's called them to be. And Father, I give you praise that what you began in them, you will finish. And for that, we give you glory in Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Thanks for watching. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.